Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart.
Ten minutes ago, you received it. Father, we praise you, God. Oh, we lift up your holy, holy name, God. Come on, lift your hands up. Say, Jesus, I lift up your holy name. Say, Jesus, I'm here for you today. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here for my friends. I'm not here for a pastor. I'm not here for a message. I'm here for you today, my Lord Jesus Christ. I praise you. Come on, I praise you. Come on, let's lift him up this morning. Put your hands together. Let's worship him.
I want you to put your hands on your head right now. And I want you to pray this out loud with me right now. Jesus, by your spirit. Jesus, by your power. I thank you right now for your divine healing. Your divine word. Your divine passion for me. I thank you, Lord, for healing my mind. We know that it is your will for our mind to have the freedom of Christ Jesus. And I thank you right now for the mind of you, Jesus, right now. Amen and amen. Come on, give him a hand this morning. Uh, not discreetly, but openly 
uh, and public places being used by the Spirit of God. Uh, I mean, listen, y'all should be winning souls this week at Walmart, all right? Y'all should, should be winning the new staff at Chipotle to, to Jesus this week, all right? All right, their quesadillas are good, by the way. You can only get them through the drive-thru. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. So the Lord gave me this mental picture, and I've, I've got a cough that I keep kind of struggling with. So, so I, if I take little breaks here and there, please don't don't judge me, okay? I'm not trying to be emotional. I just don't want to uh, choke up here. If you are interested in receiving my cough today, you're welcome to come up now. I will gladly give it give it over to you. Um, I want to just I want to say a few words. God gave me a mental image the other day of of a, a truck and a in a trailer. And, you know, I've used many trucks and trailers in, in my life, you know, some trucks that shouldn't have pulled that much, I, I pulled that weight. And some, 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 some trucks that had a lot of pull weight and it took nothing to pull a small trailer. How many of you know that, that each of you um, are, are pulling something along with you through this life? And sometimes we begin to pull things behind us um, as we go about our life, and it's not what God intended us to pull behind us, amen? It's not intended for you to carry that load. In fact, uh, Jesus said to, to take my yoke, right? Because my yoke is a whole lot lighter and easier uh, than yours. And he says, let, 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 let me do some of this heavy lifting for you. And that's just the kind of Savior that we have. So I've got this middle picture, and I, there was probably some pictures I could have put from Google up, but you guys know what, what a, a truck looks like that's carrying too heavy of a, a, a ton weight or a cargo weight, and you see the, the, the front end of the truck is up like this, and the trailer's like this, and, and you got the chain in the middle of the tongue dragging the ground and sparking everything on the way as it's driving, and... And you see all this, and, I, and the Lord just gave me that picture, and I was like, Lord, what, what's, what's, what's going on with this? And so he brought me to this story here in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18 in the Message Bible. And this is the Apostle Paul and some of his um, amigos walking, and he says, One day on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us. She was a psychic. And with her fortune telling, made a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, These men are working for the Most High God. They are laying out the road of salvation for you. Of course, this is a demon spirit that the writer of the book of Acts is addressing here. And it says she did this for a number of days until Paul finally was fed up with her. He turned and commanded the spirit that possessed her out in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her, and it was gone just like that. You know, this begs the question, as powerful and anointed as the Apostle Paul was, why in the world did he allow this to go on? Well, the simple answer is, Paul was a human being. And human beings have a tendency of dealing with demonic activity and trailer loads of wickedness in their life longer than God intended them 
to deal with? Could Paul have handled the spirit on the very first moment? Absolutely, he could have, and Jesus definitely would have, but the Apostle Paul is not Jesus Christ. Amen? The Apostle Paul was like all of us, where we have a trailer load of issues that we need to deal with, but we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know where, we don't know where to go dump this heavy load. We don't know how to maneuver this truck and this trailer of our life into a place of peace, into a place of joy. And this morning, I want to talk to you guys about three, excuse me, four different areas of things that we need to unhitch from our life. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting unhitched today. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a, I'm a little devious when I do that. Y'all know that. It still feels good to do it, amen? So one of, one of the areas that I want to touch on yet again um, is false prophets in your life. One of the things that we need to unhitch from is false prophets, false teachers. Biblically, a false prophet is a person who spreads false teachings or messages while claiming to speak the word of God. In the Bible, false prophets um, also spoke on behalf of false gods. False prophets function in their prophetic role illegitimately or for the purpose of deception. Have you guys, by a show of hands, have you guys ever known somebody in your life that proclaimed to love Jesus and yet everything that came out of their mouth seemed to be the opposite of loving Jesus. Show of hands, please. On some honest people, praise God in here today. The rest of you will work with you next week. All right. When I'm not here, <laughs> praise God. So, so I, I I just began to read this and I began to think about this. I began to think about the spirit that Paul dealt with. I began to think about the things that we deal with. I began to think about even in the book of Jeremiah, it says that that there's this, this clear encounter and description of a false prophet. And Jeremiah 14, 4, it says, Then the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. How many of you know and believe, you can say amen after this comment, if you believe this, but how many of you know and believe that we need to get, we need to unhitch from every single thing in our life that is connected to false teaching and doctrine. Amen? Amen. And you know, unfortunately, sometimes that means that we need to unhitch ourselves from ourselves. That means the first person that we need to deal with and examine and judge rightfully before the throne of God is the person staring at you in the mirror. The person that says, hey, I'm a believer and I love Jesus, but boy, am I hatred, crude, and mean all the time. Am I bitter and, and rageful and wrathful? 
many moments in my week. We need to look in the mirror and we need to not return away from the mirror and forget who we just saw. We need to be able to see not only the redeemed of the Lord in that mirror, but we need to understand that we are dealing with somebody that is in the working process of what? Sanctification. Sanctification is something that all of you are going to go through for the rest of your life until you take your last breath. It is the process of the Holy Spirit refining you and teaching you. Jesus refining you and teaching you to be a true disciple. To get so close to Jesus that the mud and the dust from his sandals is caked on your face. Discipleship is about intimacy. It's not about coming to church on a Sunday morning. It's about who you are when you are alone. When you look in the mirror, can you testify to yourself today that you are fully in it for God? That you are fully want to know and understand the, the, the truth, the full truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not a manufactured, sewn together, fast food anointing gospel, but a true, amazing, loving person of God being Jesus in you, residing in you, living in you, helping you to grow. That is what it means to be a follower of Christ. As a side note, how many of you know that there's nothing healthy about avoiding the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life? If the Holy Spirit has already convicted you today, then you need to not be upset with the preacher you need to be ready and willing to conform to the image of Christ Jesus, which means you need to yield to the things in your life that are still grieving, and the Old Testament would say, vexing the Holy Ghost. Amen? So we need to get every single book, every single audiobook, every single False teaching, every single doctrine that does not fully line up with the word of God and you need to get it out of your life. If that means a person that is dread, I know y'all don't want to hear this because it sounds so judgmental when I say it from the pulpit, but I'm going to prove to you in a second that this is okay with God. Amen. You want to hear more? Or you want to go now? I know some of you are really hungry already, and that's okay, but I'm going to go on. So, what if I announce to you guys today that we have had a leader in the church that on Sunday mornings has been going down to kids' church and has been exposing all the kids to drugs and pornography on Sunday mornings? How would y'all feel about that? What would be your first question? What it, what it was it? Your first question, I hope, would be who? <laughs> Pastor, who are you talking about? But then my response to you is 
I'm not going to mention names, but I'm going to preach about Jesus today. Hmm. If you have any IQ in your system right now, you're going to be like, no. Before we go on, we're going to get to the bottom of this, and we're going to make sure that that person is dealt with. Unless you guys are okay with pornography and drugs being in the church and introduced to your children when they're supposed to be learning about God. Is anybody okay with Raise your hand because I want to embarrass you right now. None of you dares to do it because you know logically that's an insane thing to even think about or talk about. And it's even more insane not to address. When we talk about, have you guys heard the phrase? Well, preachers do this. There's a, there's a false prophet, there's a false teaching, but biblically it's the right thing for us not to name any names. We're just going to keep preaching Jesus. That's not biblical. Let me prove it to you. The Apostle Paul, in multiple places, let me give you all of them. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 19 to 20. Having faith and good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That's two people that the Apostle Paul calls out as false prophets. 2 Timothy 1.15, this you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Philegus and Hermogenes. That's two more. Then in 2 Timothy 2.17, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus, which he's mentioned now twice, so he's probably a really bad guy, right? Hymenaeus and then Philetus. Are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Then we read in 2 Timothy 4 9 through 11 and verse 14 Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. How many is that? Five people now? Having loved, loved this present world, has departed to Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Demaltia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And then he mentions Alexander a second time. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to to his works. So when we are trying to protect the church, the last thing that we're going to do is be vague about what we are protecting the church from. Isn't it true that everybody knows and believes that Hitler is one of the most prolific serial killers ever? Do you believe that or not? Yes or no? Do you believe that it's Christian not to mention Hitler's name? No. 
We must call out the evil in this present world. We must call out the things from the pulpit that we are hitched to that we should not. Now, I've given you enough of that. Let me move to another point. We've got to unhitch ourselves from a haughty spirit. The word haughty is defined by blatantly and disdainfully being proud. The word is always used in the Bible in the evil sense of arrogant, disdainful, setting oneself above others, and it is often set in contrast with learning to be humble. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 says, six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. The first one that is listed is haughty eyes, arrogant, prideful eyes. How many of you know that if we are going to say that we want to go deeper in God, that this church wants to go deeper in God, then we've got to preach and we've got to talk about the difficult things in the kingdom of God that relate to our lives here. You've got to unhitch yourself from the haughtiness that is in your life. You've got to unhitch yourself. How do you do that? You replace it with humility before the Lord. Being able to say to your spouse, I was wrong. When's the last time you did that? Raise your hand. Wow. And this is why I do so much marriage counseling. There is nothing good that can come about when a Christian is so prideful that they are not able to see the error in their ways. That they are not able to see that, hey, you're talking about this. But you're living a life of hypocrisy. We've got to get the haughtiness out of our life. You know, God, the Bible tells us very clearly that God is resistant to this haughtiness over and over in Scripture. We read that God brings down the haughty and the proud. 2 Samuel 2.28, Psalm 18.27, Isaiah 2.11, 5.15, Ezekiel 16.15. Twice in Proverbs we read that haughtiness precedes destruction in chapter 16, verse 18, and also chapter 18, verse 12. So the New Testament is clear on the dangers of arrogance, warning repeatedly against being a prideful person, and let's take it a step above, being a prideful church. If we ever come across as a church that thinks that we've got it going on and that we're superior and that we've got things happening that others don't have happening and we take that stance, we have now slipped away from humility before Christ into an arrogance that God will not bless. Do y'all know how far we have to go as a church? We're still working on unity. You think you can start praying and expect a revival without unity in the church? What about spiritual gaslighting? Have y'all heard the term gaslighting before? Raise your hand if you've heard the term gaslighting. So I did a study on this the other day. And I, I really didn't know where this term came from. 
But in 1940, a British film called Gaslight, based on a play, was released about a man who convinces his wife that she is going insane so he doesn't suspect him of being the murderer and thief that he is. He needs to get her to institutionalize herself so that he can become power of attorney. It's a whole twisty plot. The title refers to the lights and the house the wife says keeps flickering. Even though she is told it's her imagination, there's a poignant line from this movie, and it comes after the wife is finally convinced that she's out of her mind, and her childhood friend says to her, you're not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Let me say it this way. An abused woman takes a stand against her abusive husband, and he, in return, begins to act as if she is the crazy and abusive one. He begins out of this narcissistic, painfully spiritual gaslighting maneuver, begins to put the storyline on her and make her begin to believe that maybe she is the one causing all of this. How many times have you seen that with a couple that is going through abuse where the woman in particular has been abused for so long, part of her believes that she deserves it. Part of her believes that she's done something in order to deserve this. What about all the children that have been abused since they were little? They get to 30, 40, 50 years old and they're not able to be with a partner that is actually a rational, sane, Christian person. They end up with one partner over and over again that systematically looks exactly like the parents or the uncle or the whoever that abuse them because they believe that they aren't worth any more than what they're getting. Spiritual gaslighting, another example, is you going to somebody in authority, a spiritual leader, and that spiritual leader begins to make you feel like you're less than instead of building you up in Christ. A spiritual leader that says, hey, if you're still sick, then your faith is still very low. That says, hey, if you still have tremors, you need to ignore and you need to confess against those tremors and they will go away. No, what we need to do is we need to go to God and we need to pray his will and we need to believe that God is sufficient, that in our weakness, his strength is absolutely made perfect. According to the two qualities that describe uh, in the Bible, if we're relating uh, this term gaslighting, the, the Bible would call it people that are fools. And according to the Bible, uh, fools are two things. They are unwise and they're deceptive. Let me be clear. Fools are not necessarily unintelligent. They are unwise. There is a difference between wisdom and intelligence. You can be 80 years old and have all gray hair and absolutely no spiritual wisdom. Gray hair does not make you wise. You can be a 20-year-old and have far more wisdom than that 80-year-old. 
The days of us believing that age equates to spiritual maturity needs to end. You need to unhitch yourself from that fallacy because there's a lot of old people that are very dumb in Jesus. And there's a lot of 10-year-olds that have taken up the cause of Christ and they are leading their schools into revival around this world because they're not trying to be theologically perfect. They're simply preaching Jesus to their friends and their teachers and their coaches, and they keep doing it because of Jesus, not because of education or age or what neighborhood they grew up or what drugs they didn't take or what drugs they did take. They're doing it because they are excited about the living God. And I'm going to tell you, we better get excited about the living God because our living God is about to show up. And some of us simply may not be ready for his arrival. I'm not saying you're not saved today. I don't have that authority, nor do I have the power inside of me to see on the inside of you. Only God can see your heart and where you really are. You guys remember Mr. T? Let's get a picture of him up here. I used to love the A-team. I used to say to my brothers, I love when a plan comes together. Remember that animal? But Mr. T is more, I'm going to get you to say this to your neighbor. Are you ready? You ready? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I pity the fool. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm a second tenor. I can't go there. Some of you could say, I pity the fool. Come on, tell somebody, I pity the fool. <laughs> Doesn't relate to the sermon at all, but I wanted to say it today. God doesn't want us to be foolish. God doesn't want us to hitch up with foolish people. God wants us to be careful about the company that we keep. God wants us to be careful about the relationships that we have. God wants us to be very mindful. What it, doesn't he say quite uh, inequivocally to guard our hearts? To guard our hearts from this world? I want to quickly give you a few scriptures when we, as we stay on this topic real quickly about spiritual gaslighting. Fools care nothing for thoughtful discourse. All they do is run off at the mouth. Proverbs 18.2 Fools are headstrong and do what they like. Proverbs 12.15 Liars secretly hoard hatred. Fools openly spread slander. Proverbs 10.18 The words of a fool starts fights. Proverbs 18.6 The wise watch their steps and avoid evil. Fools are headstrong and reckless, Proverbs 14, 16. Fools leave a wake of wrecked lives and lies about God and God's people, turning their backs on the homeless, the hungry, ignoring those dying of thirst in the streets, Isaiah 32, 5 through 7. In other words, fools don't care about thoughtful discourse. Fools don't care about respecting you. 
Fools don't care about honoring you. Fools will harbor bitterness and gossip about you. I, listen, I've learned this the hard way. If somebody comes into this church and they, the, one of the few first lines they say to me is, hey, Pastor Court, nice to meet you. Maybe not the first line, but maybe in our first real conversation. And that person starts talking bad about their previous pastor. I automatically know in the spirit I eventually will be the pastor that they end up talking about. Why? Because I've experienced it for 20 plus years. <coughs> be diligent about who you are in the spirit. Be diligent about how you present yourself. This guy has got a long way to go. There, there are plenty of people in here that I truly deem more spiritually mature than myself. But I want to tell you, we're never going to get to the pinnacle of where God wants us until we actually are face-to-face -face with our Maker. Can, the Bible says can, that we can do greater things. Yes, of course we can. I would love for you guys to get so on fire with the Lord. So pure in God. That you walk into the grocery store. And the anointing of God. Not you. It's not your anointing. It's the anointing of God. And by the way, if somebody tells you they're a healer and they heal people, you need to run away. That's not what a Christian says or does. What a Christian says or does is, God will use me as he sees fit. Based on whatever gift God wants to use, he is, he, well, I'm going to say it again, he is the painter and we are the canvas. He is the potter, and we are the clay. Don't you dare get caught up in your gifts. You want to you see me get aggravated? Hey, pastor, can you get so-and-so to come to our church? We really want him or her to lay hands on us so we can get healed. You want to see your pastor go a little bit spiritually ballistic on you? That's the way to... Now, don't joke with me after service and say, Hey, pastor, you know. Roy, I know you. You'll do this. You but hey, pastor, you know. It is Jesus that gives out the gifts. It is the Father that gives out the gifts. When we pray for somebody to be healed, we believe it in our faith with all that we are that God is going to heal them. And I'll reiterate what I said last week. It is his will and his prerogative of what he decides to do. And I look at people in here. Some of you have known for the, the three full years that I've been here. And I have seen God heal you. I have seen God heal you of, of sleep issues and depression issues and anxiety issues. I know of some of you that were on five and six anxiety and sleep pills and you're on nothing right now. Can I tell you, 
that is the Lord that did it. It was not your primary care physician. But something else we need to unhitch from. How about double-mindedness? The term double-minded comes from the Greek word depatios, meaning a person with two minds. That's it. I, I made these pictures myself, by the way. Worked, worked really hard on those. Thank you. You can compliment me later on social media. Um, James writes of the doubting person in James 1, 6 through 8, that he is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, or in all he does. Do, do you know that God did so much more? And listen, I know when I say this, people are like, well, salvation is, well, salvation is the best part. But he accomplished so much more at Calvary and even before Calvary that we don't even realize. And one of these things was to give us freedom in our mind, to not be double-minded, to not be to and fro, to say I believe one day, but tomorrow I don't believe. To say I believe this story one day and the next day I don't believe it. That I believe the scripture one day and the next day I don't believe it. That's not who God is. God's word is perfect. God's word cuts even to the bone marrow of your body touching you. And the way that he does that is so much better and more prolific than we give him credit for. God has healed you guys of some things that never even got diagnosed. Do you understand that? God took care of some issues. Just our driving alone. We should all be dead. And those of you that have motorcycles, you should have been dead 12 times. And those of you that have cats, I don't know where I'm going to go with that. A double-minded person is restless and confused in their thoughts, their actions, and their behaviors. Oh, this is my best friend. No, no, no. This is my best friend. No, 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 no. This is my church. No, 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 no. This week, this is my church. No, 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 no. No, this is my pastor. But also, I've got two other pastors. And I also, I, I just love horses. Oh, but... Dogs are actually my favorite animal. And I just love to go to Walmart. But all I do is complain about going to Walmart. <laughs> it really is too easy to see. It really is. All of us in our lives have been double-minded at some 
way, shape, or form. But I'm going to tell you today, we need to learn to unhitch ourselves from double-mindedness. Maybe we need to unhitch ourselves from people that are constantly spiraling out of control in their emotions and their feelings. Do, do you think it's safe to keep following them? The Bible says, see, even babies agree with me here at Destiny House. The, the Bible says that the blind lead the blind. Don't get caught up in somebody's philosophy of life. Get caught up in what the Word has to say about you and your life. Such person is in conflict with himself. One torn by such inner conflict can never lean with confidence on God and His gracious promises. Meaning, your faith. When you're double-minded, it's, it's so difficult to believe. It's so difficult to trust God. And in fact, those who are double-minded do not have the faith spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. <coughs> now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Just a reminder that your, your, your faith and, and, and action is not a mere confession or a word. Your faith and action is actually an action. That you have to move in progression with the direction that Jesus is moving. How do you do that? You read your Bible. You pray. You meditate on scripture. You commit a fast. You spend your life doing those four things and getting closer with God. I'll move on. Double-mindedness is, is sometime, well, you know what, I'll, I'll say it this way. I got another, got another picture just to get a, a visual double-mindedness. So this is the original Dr. Doolittle for, for some of you that remember and have been you know, around that long. And so this was a, a very provocative picture back then but this is exactly what double mindedness looks like a llama with two heads both going in a different direction a person with two minds both one going towards the flesh and one trying to go towards the spirit Jesus declared no one can serve two masters Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You guys need to unhitch from unhealthy double-mindedness in your life, whether it's the double-mindedness of you or the double-mindedness of people leading you around and leading you astray. <clears throat> I think about this. I think about what we say and what we do as a people, and I'll, I'll kind of lay the plane here. You guys can, can come up. There is a lot of things that I didn't cover just now of some areas that you guys need to unhitch. I was having a conversation with a person 
yesterday, and they looked me right in the face and they said, I no longer believe in God. And there was so much that came up in me. There was so much flesh that came up in me. I was angry. I was hurt. I was upset. I was just, just it just kind of wrecked me. And it took me about 10 hours of reflecting and praying to be reminded that I am not the author of this person's faith. That I am not the author of this person's salvation. That I am not the author of truth. I am not the author of the doctrines that we talked about today. That God the Father is the author. And I'm going to tell you something. There's some freedom. I'm going to, listen, it's, it can be scary. It can be hurtful. Y'all stand with me. When you have somebody that you've seen grow in the Lord, and you see that same person turn away, viciously turn away, You've got to pull yourself away from that situation, and you've got to get yourself back into the altar of God. Because the altar of God is where the problem is solved. Your problems are not solved in your feelings and being heartbroken. Your problems are being solved and have already been solved, of course, through Calvary, what Jesus did at Calvary. But making that walk closer to God, I'm going to tell you guys, is not always easy. Especially when there's so many times you want to just throw in the towel. You want to quit. I want to pray for you right now if you will close your eyes. Actually, you guys go ahead and sing a little bit and I will interrupt you in a minute. We'll come back and we'll pray. Let's worship just a few minutes here. Thank you. 
for you. But before I pray for you, I want to ask a question today. Are you here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus? Are you here today and you're one of those people that has either drifted away from the Lord many years ago, you've not found your way back, or maybe you're a person today that has never truly accepted Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've been to church, maybe you've been to some Bible studies, maybe even know some scriptures this morning. But none of that gives you security. None of that gives you eternity. The only one that can give you eternity, and the Bible tells us that the only way to the Father is through the Son. So for us today to move forward, for you to move forward, it's time for you to accept Jesus as your Savior. It's not just verbalizing it, it's believing it internally. Having that mustard seed of faith right now and believing that who Jesus says he is, he actually is. That he lived for you. He took 39 stripes for you. He died for you. He was resurrected for you. And he lives forevermore. Right now. And I will also mention, as I've already said today, he is coming back soon. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, and you would say, Pastor Cord, I, I need to make that commitment to Jesus today. I've been playing around. I didn't realize it until just now, but I, I don't even know for sure that I have a relationship with God. Or maybe you have been away from God for a while. You've been waiting for, you even said, God, give me a neon sign. And so this is your neon sign right now. The Lord wants you to come back to him whether it's the first time or whether you're coming back from being away for many months or many years. Today is your day to come back to Jesus fully, fully accepted. Now I want to warn you, some of you may say today, well, I've, I've done too much and a lot of the things that I did were even this week, they were last night. How could God correct me right now? And my answer to you is very easy and it's very simple. He's calling every single person in this room to draw nigh to him. And when you draw nigh to him, meaning when you draw close to him, he will draw nigh to you. And when you ask him and you repent and you ask him to be the Lord of your life, instantly as you are asking for forgiveness of your sin, instantly he is accepting you and cleaning you and giving you a fresh start. And he's also taking that, that spiritual pen in heaven and he's writing your name in the Lamb's book of life. And that's what's happening right now. So I want you to get that inside of you right now that it, this is this salvation is not just a one-time affair. In a lot of ways, I know people believe that. And of course, I believe that in many ways as well. But salvation has changed. It's you praying and believing. And guess what? The Holy Spirit, when you pray this prayer and you believe Jesus with all of your life, immediately what's going to happen, and this is not science fiction, what's going to happen is the Holy Ghost is going to come and live on the inside of you. 
and he is going to instruct you of what comes next. And we will get you a Bible today. And we will check in with you and we will help you. If you don't want to get rooted here, we will help you get rooted in another church. But allow us, allow God to receive you and forgive you right now. So I ask you today, if you fall into any of those categories with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Court, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want you